Hello, everybody, and welcome yet to another episode of the Nail the Dorto podcast. You are now tuned into our OITE review series, and um, we will continue on with trauma. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, please hit the subscribe button. This is a special segment of our podcast doing an OITE review or orthopedic and training exam review. We typically have weekly shows, which will resume very shortly, but for now, we are doing this OITE review. So without further ado, Enjoy this uh, review by myself and Dr. Spencer Wolbein. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring Drs. Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. Yeah, and what's the difference between a Montasia fracture versus a Montasia variant or a Montasia equivalent? Uh, you'll see a radial head fracture uh, associated with it instead of, and maybe in uh, addition to a dislocation, but uh, it, it still just shows the instability within the PRUJ and the necessity of anatomic reduction of that proximal ulna along with fixing the radial head versus replacing it. Yeah, you think it'd be opposite. You'd, be, you'd think like, Oh, the Montasia variant. Oh, that's the one you had a dislocation, but it's like it's not like the radial head is actually fractured during the variant yeah. versus in the radial versus a Montasia fracture. It's the only that's fractured, radial head's dislocated. Um, now, so if the radial head does not reduce when fixing a Montasia fracture where there's a radial head dislocation, what is a likely problem? And I know you mentioned this already, but just to harp on it. Uh, it is the malreduction of the ulna. And it's one of those that you can be tricked, you can be fooled that uh, it may look anatomically reduced, but if you are just short or just off rotationally, that is enough stress on the interosseous membrane to pop that radial head uh, fracture out. Um, so the kind of uh, common saying in orthopedics is always go back to the ulna, make sure that it is anatomically reduced. And if you have revisited it several times and you're convinced you have it reduced, then you can consider opening up laterally through a Kaplan or Coker and uh, evaluating the radial capitellar joint because on rare occasions you can get that um, annular ligament or some other soft tissue structures impeding that does cause that radial head to want to persistently sublux and dislocate. But that's, that's a minority of the time for sure. Okay. And we talked about Montasia fracture where you have the radial head dislocation versus a variant where you have the radial head fracture. Uh, what is a Galeazzi fracture? Uh, the opposite in prior to all of my ways, I always got these confused. Um, but a Galeazzi is when the radius is fractured and you have a DRUJ disruption. So, uh, uh, yeah, Montasia is proximal ulna, Galeazzi is distal radius or distal radial shaft. And uh, there is a paper out there um, that uh, I don't have the exact uh, citation with me right now, but it does show that if the radius shaft fracture is more proximal than seven centimeters from the uh, distal radius articulation, the likelihood that the DRUJ is disrupted is essentially zero. But if it's closer than seven centimeters, then you have to be very cautious of the DRUJ disruption and 
uh, evaluate it intraoperatively. Oh, yeah, I got to check that article out. Um, cool. Well, what's uh, so just moving forward? So, what is the uh, treatment for an adult both bone forearm fracture? Uh, always ORAF, unless there is some strange extenuating cir- circumstance that prevents you from doing it. You, it is a joint within itself, and so uh, open induction internal fixation via two approaches. Um, is the kind of standard of care. Uh, the uh, people looked at, well, if four, 4.5 millimeter plates work for the humerus, let's try them on the forearm. Um, but the size of the bone and the size of the screw holes, that mismatch was just uh, too close that they found that with four or five plates, there was a higher uh, refracture rate after removal because the screw holes were just too big. So uh, the now now the uh, kind of standard of care is 3.5 millimeter LCDC plates um, with grafting if needed for bone loss. And then and then what are some of the uh, I know you just mentioned two. You mentioned a couple strong points again. You know, using multiple uh, using multiple approaches. And then, you know, about the plate that you use and that you can see refracture with those 4.5 um, LCDCP plates. But what are some of the other major, uh, some other major complications that are seen with both bone forearm fractures? Uh, so big one that you want to be very cautious of is malunion of uh, mostly the radius. The ulna is very nice and forgiving in that it's a pretty straight bone uh, at the sh- like from the uh, proximal third all the way distally. Um, but the radius has its own bow. And so you want to make sure that you restore that radial bow in order to uh, allow that radius to uh, pronate over the ulna for uh, adequate forearm range of motion. And then other fracture issues, you have the non-union. So you have to go back in uh, to breed the fracture site bone graft if necessary. And then uh, the synostosis is associated with a single approach. And if you are a single approach person, make sure that you're uh, treating with uh, endomethacin uh, versus a pre-op dose of radiation, um, just so you uh, decrease that risk of synostosis formation. Yeah. And again, those are all solid points. Again, non-unions treating with overreduction, grafting, uh, you know, restoring the radial bow is essential to help prevent malunion and loss of rotation. Uh, you know, you see refracture. You can see refracture after plate removal. Um, you know, it's kind of be seen anywhere from a year to 18 months after that has passed after the uh, original surgery. So some people blate, uh, brace after plate removal. I know some people that don't. So you know, it's kind of dealer's choice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And and last thing, when is RIF indicated for an isolated nightstick fracture or an ulna shaft fracture? Um, Yeah, so uh, I would say that uh, proximal third ulna shaft fractures, uh, it's very close to the uh, elbow. It's, uh, uh, there's a lot more displacing forces at that portion with either the biceps or, uh, excuse me, not the biceps, the uh, uh, brachialis versus the uh, triceps. Um, If you have greater than 10 degrees of angulation, and that goes 
hand in hand with restoring that radial bow, that if you have a lot of angulation within the ulna, you're going to have uh, alteration of that supination pronation uh, that can um, kind of decrease outcomes for the patients. And then if there's greater than 50% uh, displacement, they have a higher chance of uh, non-union and you'll want to consider uh, doing an open reduction internal fixation of those. Boom. That is, that is it. We have um, covered upper extremity trauma. We will cover distal radius fractures in the hand section. Um, so we, uh, we all hope you enjoyed and learned some stuff listening to this episode. Spencer, I th- again, I think this was another one we just cried. Uh, we're going to crush these soon, but I think this is another, um, another, uh, you know, series that we, that we crushed. And I hope that, you know, people, I know I learned a lot just from us talking. So yeah, yeah, this learned, is awesome. a lot of people, uh, can learn some stuff. So, uh, those listening, uh, please hit that subscribe button. And we will see you on the next uh, on the next trauma talk where we talk about pelvis and acetabulum.